It's the Johnny O Podcast. Welcome to the Johnny O Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny O. This podcast is brought to you by Top Billing Entertainment, produced by Asylum Recording Studios and the great Mr. Zills. Do you like to party? Then RepCPS.com is for you. RepCPS started out as College Peep Show, a simple Snapchat account that shared submitted pictures of people having a good time. It has grown into a huge merch company. They offer an entire clothing line, Patches, stickers, and more with hilarious party scenes. Go to repcps.com today and use promo code JOHNNYO for 10% off at the checkout. All right, Zach, how are you doing tonight? Welcome to the Johnny O Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, sir. It's an honor to be on such a uh, prestigious podcast, and it's also a blessing to um, actually finally make your acquaintance. I'm glad to be here. I'd lose the term prestigious a little loosely, but I appreciate the accolades there. (laughs) So, all right, here's how I do it. First question for everybody I always have on is I like to just get your background, what I like to call the origin story. I was reading through your bio you sent me and sounds like you've been involved with uh, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, paranormal. I don't know if paranormal is not the right word, but, but you've been involved in this a long time. Tell me, tell me how you got interested, how you got started. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, um, a little bit about myself because this ties into the origin story itself. Um, I grew up here in rural Williamson County, uh, Illinois, here in the southernmost part of the state uh, on a cattle ranch. I'm a fifth generation cattle rancher. And um, growing up, I'd always um, heard stories of, you know, about big hairy men that roam the woods and everything. And growing up, I didn't put no stock in it at all. I just thought it was made up lies, um, to scare little kids. <laughs> and it, that, it all changed, um, in August of 2004, whenever I was nine years old, whenever I had my first encounter with a Sasquatch in Randolph County, Illinois, outside of Redbud, um, I didn't see the creature, but I heard its screams. Me and my dad heard them uh, at the same time. We were getting home from a ball game. And I still remember to this day the power this thing had in its vocal cords, that it was the decibels alone was vibrating the windows inside the window frames in the garage. And, you know, 10 years later, uh, I finally found my closure on what it was because at that time I didn't understand what it was. And it probably scared the um, shit out of you, too. Excuse my French. It scared you. It, it, it greatly did scare me. I was trying to rip the door off the hinge, trying to get inside. Um, and, then, and then uh, coming up uh, 10 years later, I re- was just surfing the web, and I actually found the Ohio moaning call that Matt Moneymaker and the BRFRO recorded um, in Ohio back in the mid-'90s. And I was literally just come across it by a uh, chance and I hit play on the computer and I listened to it and I hollered for my dad to come in the, in the office where I was at and I played it for him again. I said, dad, that sounds like what we heard whenever I was a little kid. And he goes, yeah, it does. And I said, what we heard was a Bigfoot and that's where it all started for me whenever it comes to Bigfoot. Now, whenever I was a little kid, probably about a year prior to that, I had my first paranormal encounter, and that was with a little uh, girl, an apparition of a, a full-body apparition of a little girl. I was um, eight years old, seven or eight, um, and I was spending the night at my grandparents' house, and out here in the county we live in, it's called Bloody Williamson for a reason. It's got a, a deep history uh, with uh Gang, gang wars back in Prohibition with moonshiners and um, the, the KKK were prevalent in this area. There's been a lot of bloodshed in Williamson County alone 
Okay, so um, I'm going to stop you just for a second. So, Winston County, Illinois, correct? Yeah, give, and give we me, call it Bloody Winston. Give me a proximity to where that's at. Like, to you said Southern Illinois. Like, is it on the border of, you know, it, I'm trying to do the map of the United States in my head now, and I can't. But uh, we're 60 miles from my ranch. We're 60 miles north of Paducah, Kentucky. Okay, that's what I was looking for. I'm just trying to pinpoint where you're at in that. And I mean, so anyway, back to your story. So the paranormal, because I'm going to have a follow-up question to this here in a minute. But so, so you know, I'll give you my follow-up now. From everything I'm telling, talk you're telling me, you seem like you might be predisposed to this kind of activity in your life. Does that make I, sense? I, I count myself as lucky to have experienced what all I have experienced in my lifetime, you know. A lot of people, they go their whole lives and not have experiences like these. And I just believe that, you know, that I was one of the blessed few to actually have encountered these things. And in and, 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 and talking to you before I had you on the podcast, you told me a, a laundry list of things that have had, you know, paranormal type stuff. And for the sake of this conversation tonight, I want to stick to my, my Bigfoot Sasquatch questions. But we'll have to have you back on because you had a couple other things on there that I were planned other shows. So, <laughs> so I think I found the right guy. But so, so a little bit more. So you had your paranormal experience. The the you heard the Bigfoot, um, and that's what launched you into being. I I, I might butcher this, but a cryptozoologist, correct? Yes. Okay. So what I would like you to do is. I don't know what that means. Well, I know because I looked it up. But explain to the listeners what a cryptozoologist is. Okay. Well, I'll break it down for you. Cryptozoology is a pseudoscience, and it is the study of creatures that are not yet recognized by science. And a cryptozoologist is someone who uh, does field research and does inve- investigates said creatures and everything. And you got to remember this though. People are like, well, that's not real. None of that's real. Well, you got to remember this, the, uh, gorilla, the panda bear, the giant squid and the platypus was not seen as legitimate until the, until the last hundred years. Uh, they were regarding the giant squid as the Kraken. Um, and it was a drunk sailor tale. They were saying the gorilla was just, uh, tales from, uh, jungle dwelling savages until someone actually brought back the hide of one and the same with the platypus and the same with the panda bear. You know, all these creatures were just known as legend. And I mean, we're discovering new things of uh, both flora and fauna every single day in this world. Uh, I mean, we're, we just uh, recently just discovered this, uh, or I should say rediscovered this comet that just whizzed past uh, earth um, here um, a couple of weeks ago. You know, we're learning stuff uh, and relearning stuff, you know, that have been forgotten throughout time. And, you know, we're discovering things that um, shouldn't be here. Like a perfect example, the coelacanth. They were finding fossils of this thing from millions of years ago, um, from back during the time of the dinosaurs. And then back in the early 1900s, one was caught off of the uh, east coast of Africa. So, and, so, what, you know, so what is a coelacanth? It's, it's this prehistoric fish that people believe, just because they were finding fossil records of this thing from millions of years ago through carbon dating, that this thing uh, was extinct until some fish trawler actually pulled one up in his nets and it was actually alive. And you can actually go see the body, I believe, in the Smithsonian. Really? So, well, okay. Yes. But fast forward to... What was it? This year, we're finally admitting UFOs are a thing. Well, they changed the name to what? From UFO to UTAs? I can't remember. But but even the federal government's now putting it out there that what they said was complete BS for all these years is something. So that falls into what you are talking about with being uh, cryptozoology, correct? Yes. So until until someone legitimate makes it legitimate, like it, it's it's pseudoscience, 
until someone says, well, yeah. and and the, it's real. But it's funny because so until a year ago, before they talked about UFOs being real, it was pseudoscience. And now they're becoming more legitimate. Is that a correct statement about what you're telling me? 100%. Yeah. So, and it's funny because it takes the federal government to admit anything forever that it's real. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. but, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt again. Sometimes I just get so wrapped up in what people are telling me, but I like to stop and make sure I'm understanding what you're talking about. But, uh, no, it's cool. Yeah. So, so, uh, cryptozoologist again, right now, because Bigfoot, Sasquatch, it isn't proven. That's why it falls under that. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. So now I have a, I have a big question about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti. Can you tell my listeners, is there a difference between the three or, or are they all the same? Because people use different terms, like your documentary that we're going to talk about the Shawnee Sasquatch. You didn't say the Shawnee Bigfoot. So is there a reason or is it just Sasquatch Bigfoot don't matter? Well, I'm no expert. I'll put that right out there for you and your listeners. I'm no expert. I am just your plain hick from nowhere <laughs> USA. I'm, I'm, literally, I have a high school education. That, and hey, hey. like I tell everybody, I'm a C-plus man, which means there's a lot of people smarter than me, but I'm smarter than the rest of them. I'm right in the middle. But, 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 the, but, so, so you might not be able to explain quantum physics to me. Who gives a care, right? No, but, I, but, I, I but, don't, but, I don't understand it. Neither do I. But you can talk about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, because that's what, that's in your orbit. That's what you focus on. That's what you're interested in. And that's what makes that's you experience. And that's what makes you experienced. And that's where your expertise falls. And Bigfoot. So, so tell me in your opinion, because I'm sure there's a million opinions out there, is Bigfoot and Sasquatch the same thing, different things? I've heard many things. Some people say they're extraterrestrial. Some say they are demonic. Uh, people say they're flesh and blood. I believe they're flesh and blood from what I have encountered in my 18 years in cryptozoology and doing field research. I have seen these creatures up close um closer than i care to and what these things are i believe they are 100 percent flesh and blood what they are is so many uh theories on what they could be some people say that they are neanderthals some say that they're uh, feral humans some say they're an undiscovered great ape i believe and this actually uh was a theory that a, a late friend of mine, Dr. Felice um, Munas, uh, MD, uh, he was my neighbor. I was his bodyguard for a couple of years, and he passed on this past April. And he and me would talk about this for hours. And he started researching it, and he's giving me this theory, and I actually kind of believe it. There is a um, type of hominid that was discovered in uh, Heidelberg, Germany, and it was just a mandible jaw of this creature and it was called homo hyloburgensis and you look at that and then you look at homo neanderthalensis and homo sapien all their dna's tie back to homo hyloburgensis uh with their dna patterns and what's to say that maybe bigfoot did not uh ain't some undiscovered grade eight but it's actually a descendant of homo hyloburgensis uh because homo sapien uh, went to Africa and Homo Neanderthalensis went to Europe. What's to say that Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, uh, Omar, Yowie, whatever you want to call him, didn't go to Asia because a lot of the earliest reports actually come from uh, from Asia and India, um, and and in China, all over China, all the provinces of China and India. There's that's where the first. Um, reports of Bigfoot I've been able to find in history have come from and whenever with the Bering Sea Land Bridge yeah I was just going to bring that up know, the Bering Sea Land that, Bridge they could have traveled that over that Bigfoot sucker didn't follow didn't follow the uh, the food source and whenever the sea levels rose and the land bridge sank Bigfoot was forced to set up home here in North America yep and so for the sake of argument 
tonight. I'm just going to keep referring to him as Bigfoot because Sasquatch, I'm not good at saying it, <laughs> but but we'll just say Bigfoot tonight for the sake of argument, tomato, tomato, as far as I'm concerned. I, I know Yeti gets a little bit in uh, different because there are some people that think the Yetis have more of a telekinesis, you know, type thing to them from what I've researched and talked about and, and heard of. Well, to answer your other question, if they are all the same thing, I believe they are. Um, and just cause they have different names, it depends on where, what region of the world you're in, what dialect is being spoken and what, um, characteristics the creature that's being seen is, is inhibiting to go and get that name because every one of their names actually means something like skookum means mountain devil. That's from the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, this thing has got a notorious, um, reputation for being aggressive, uh, towards hikers and campers. You look at the Ohio grass man, he's seen, uh, roaming grass fields in Ohio and living in grass huts. You look at the skunk ape of Florida, it looks like an orangutan and it has a very strong skunky odor. That is, um, you know, just some of the names just here in America, uh, that they're given. And actually the name Bigfoot was actually coined by a newspaper, uh, reporter back in 1946, I believe, um, whenever they made the first uh, actual cast at a logging, uh, in a logging landing up in Br British Columbia. And the guy actually looked, cast the reporter did well he's taking a picture he goes man that's a big foot and the name stuck <laughs> really so i've th that's why i love having people like you on i didn't know that story that's and i should know that story a little background on myself and the reason i get so interested in bigfoot is several years ago not several seven or eight years ago when me and my wife got married her and her family always went on vacation nine hours north to northern Minnesota to a cabin that the family owned. And when we went there, I was I wasn't I worked in the corporate world. I wasn't used to going on vacations. I stayed close to home. I didn't know how to leave a computer or a phone behind. And she took me to the middle of nowhere. So I'm up there and I'm like, all right, now I'm in the middle of nowhere. What do I do? And I looked up uh Reamer, Minnesota. And it's they call it the home of Bigfoot, which they get the people in Seattle get mad about. They're like, no, we're the home of Bigfoot. But apparently Bigfoot was spotted up there. The this Reamer truly is a town of a couple hundred people. But they have Bigfoot sightings up there all the time. All the major shows went up there to research it. Blah blah blah. So we were there. So I went over there and it just it sparked this interest in me like well what is this because i before that i really so this about eight years ago seven years ago i didn't have an interest in it i was just i knew of bigfoot but it really when i went to the town and they had a cast of a foot found and 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 all that stuff at at the local i guess the gas station slash museum because that's how small this town was it, it just made me so interested in it and months back when I started the podcast and started getting guests, I told myself, I'm going to find somebody to come on and talk about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it. So I'm glad you're here. Um, so let's talk about your, your documentary you did, um, hunt for the Shawnee Sasquatch. So tell me Shawnee. Tell, so that's a, a, is a national park. Like, give me the history of the national of Shawnee, what people thought they saw there, and then we'll talk a little bit about the documentary. Well, if you look at it through the BFRO website, Illinois is sits in the top five uh, states in the union to actually be able to actually have a Bigfoot encounter. There's um, Washington, Kentucky, Ohio, Florida and Illinois in that order. And, and what's um, odd to me is that Florida, number one, that Florida is in there. And I was telling you what, before we went on, I was reading an article in a local magazine that I'm going to send you. They actually put Illinois at number five. Now they moved them up over Florida. Mm -hmm. So, but, but regardless five or six, 
it's I never knew that. I would have always thought it was, you know, East Coast or mo- mostly East Coast, Alaska, Canada. But to hear about Florida and Illinois really threw me for a loop. I would have never guessed it. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, again, I interrupt a lot. I apologize. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. It's That's, okay. It's yeah. your show. Yeah, but no, I should. But I, I get sidetracked. Is what I tell everybody. You'll if you ever listen, everyone would be like, "Yeah, he's sidetracked." But anyway, so Illinois, number six, number five, whatever. Uh, Shawnee. Well, the Shawnee National Forest it makes up over three hundred thousand square acres of Ooh, land. That is, um, if it is, and I've tried to go and. Uh, go down every back road in it. And, you know, there's been reports in the Shawnee National Forest um, for decades of Bigfoot. And uh, not just Bigfoot, an assortment of other cryptid creatures uh, that I'll go into at another time. But we have had, uh, Justin, I work for uh, a farming company. I work for the propane side of things. I was just uh, down the road from one of the... uh, epicenters of a of a flap of sightings that happened back in the 60s and 70s and i'm actually friends with a retired deputy sheriff that actually was on the scene of one of these sightings and and it was the hamp mine monster and it was seen just uh off of carver's ridge road um right south of garden of the gods between garden of the gods and iron furnace and then we have the back explain that what you called that and, and the area where you're talking about to me. So what, what did they call him? The hemp mine monster, because it was seen skulking around hemp mine, which was a strip mine. Okay. And that, and that's in within this Shawnee forest. Yes. Cool. And, and that, I mean, 300,000 square acres is a huge plot of land. So yes, you could say that they could hide pretty good in there. Oh, I agree, especially, you know, whenever the, the woods have got full uh, canopy coverage on them, they could be standing 20 foot inside the tree line or less, and you wouldn't even see them unless they moved. What are the winters, <laughs> excuse me, what are the winters like down there? Just out of curiosity, because I'm, I'm, you're at the southern end of Illinois, and I'm at the northern, so our winters get pretty cold, but I didn't know how far south. Do you, do, do, the, do the woods get pretty sparse where you can see through them better in the winter, or? Oh, yes. I guarantee it within the next couple of weeks, all the leaves are going to be off the trees, and you're going to be able to see right through the trees. And, and the reason um, I ask is because you said sometimes this guy, in the when the foliage is thick, that's, they're, they're camouflaged. Yeah, they blend in with their environment. You know, they'll dis- they'll blend in and disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and then a um, couple miles, uh, I think it's about 45 uh, minutes to an hour uh, west of here is Murfreesboro, Illinois. And back in ni- the 70s, there was a report of a Bigfoot around the town of Murfreesboro that was actually called the Big Money Monster. And they've actually just this year, um, this past July, started having a yearly festival for it. And they've actually got a statue in town right along the Big Muddy River uh, that was actually made by uh, a sculptor who took actual reports and descriptions of the creature and actually made a bronze statue of this thing. Oh, really? So they made the statue based off of descriptions of them? Yes. Yes. And 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 you still feel this is still a big foot type creature. One hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So so back to your documentary you made, which you said right now you, it's on DVD. You're going to get it on streaming down the road here, mm-hmm. so everyone can watch it. You sent me a copy. I watched it. It's very interesting. Tell me tell me about that process of making the documentary tell me about it was uh the east coast bigfoot research organization was in it with you correct yes so yes encrypted csi louisiana uh stacy coughlin from uh louisiana he's head of cryptid csi now um he drove all the way up here and was actually able to join our investigation it was a seven-year project that finally came to fruition and we weren't even going to film it the guy from Red Room uh, Creative Media, Joe Turry, he produced um, the Creature from Big Muddy documentary. 
Um, and he just volunteered to film it, uh, cause he said, cause I went and he said, I'd gone and helped promote Creature from Big Muddy, a doc, his documentary that I was in, uh, so much that he figured he owed me a favor. And I said, come on down if you want to, I'll feed you. Yeah. And that, you know, the love of making a documentary film and food go hand in hand, I bet. <laughs> um, exactly. We ate, we ate like kings. That's what you didn't see in the documentary. Well, well, from you telling me before we talked, before we went on live about the hunting and everything, I bet you there was some good food there. But uh, so, so you go out, you, you're filming it. It's, I mean, you got the other research company too out there with you. Tell me the process though. I mean, how many days were you out there? Take me through start to finish of the documentary. Well, we go and we went and we had, we had three states represented in that base camp. We had Virginia, Illinois, and Louisiana involved. Um, some two of the top researchers that I know personally that are able to actually be on site and um, actually have boots on the ground, years of experience uh, in cryptozoology, even more than I do. Um, and we had over fifty years of cryptozoology research combined in that camp. And, um, we went into this place that we call no man's land in the Shawnee national forest. And we call it that as a code name to protect these creatures. So that way there's people not going in there and harassing them. Um, so, so, uh, but, but within, so I get no man's land and protecting it, but within 300,000 acres, there's gotta be undiscovered territory in there like where no person has ever walked through do you believe that or do you think pretty much of all the acreage some human being has been out there at some point somewhere oh i i agree you know right through the shine national forest is the trail of tears and um there's places out there i guarantee that if you go out and you get out of your car and you walk 100 yards back into the timber you'll probably be standing somewhere that nobody stood and uh 150 200 years lewis and clark actually came across southern illinois too now the trail of tears that's explain that to me because that that's uh from a native american talk right yes that's a native american that when the that was when the cherokee were brought from north carolina across illinois on their way to oklahoma okay because i i'm familiar with the term trail of tears so that goes through this park or park forest Two? Yeah, you you go you go along um, Route 147, and you'll find um, original Trail of Tears uh, uh, trail begin, and then you'll find a couple miles down the road where it'll end. You'll actually drive your car on top of the original Trail of Tears. Oh my God, that's so interesting! So so you know this place inside and out pretty well. I would it's, it sounds like yes. So going back to what you were saying before, the no man's land. So you you and the crew, we'll call them, were in there just doing your research, seeing if you could get a sighting, correct? Yes. And, you know, we it was actually part of one of our annual campouts with the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters, the crew that I founded back in 2015. Uh, we host an annual campout every year in the early spring. And um, usually right around uh, mid-March to early April. And um, we'll go and uh, invite people, like-minded researchers, um, like-minded folks that may want to have a sighting or may just want to go and gain some knowledge on how to do field research. We invite them to come on out. And there was uh, seven or eight of us in the camp that turned out, including myself. Um, And we were back off the road about, uh, off the hard road, um, back up a logging road about five or six miles back into the timber. And it's, it was rough as a cob. I'll tell you, we had to, if you didn't gun it to get through there, or if you weren't in a four by four, you were going to get stuck. And uh, I made it, it back in there in a little Ford Ranger. It sounds like rough territory from what you're saying. And I'm going to, I'm going to slow you down just for one second because in March or April or next year, I want you to remember me because I want to come down for that. I got a good friend, Clinton, who's a videographer. I mean, we'd love to come down and, and document just what you guys do. We, we've been talking about it forever, and uh, he he's 
great at what he does. And we would come down and hang out and not even to say we're going to hunt quote unquote Bigfoot with you, but just come see the process. I'd be, I'd be so interested coming out. I'm not a big outdoorsman. I'll warn you of that. I'll probably have a more fancy tent than others, or I might sleep in my car or in my truck, but, <laughs> but I would love to come out and see it. So that you got to keep me in mind when you do that next spring for sure. But back- I definitely will. You're, you're more, you're, you guys are more than welcome uh, to come to our camp. Yeah. It'd be so interesting to me. Short of uh, one time, Jose Canseco, do you know who I'm talking about? The baseball player, yeah. Do you remember when he was offering to go on a Bigfoot hunt? Five with grand, five grand to go Bigfoot hunting. Yeah, with it him. was. I thought it was. It was a uh, fifty thousand from what I thought it was. But what? What? See, that's complete bullshit. This is. You know what I mean? Excuse my language, but uh, I want to go on something authentic. I, I'd love to go out. Um, uh, even up where I'm at here in Illinois, there was a guy. It was grass shit. Wisconsin. And he, Mm -hmm. he offered some kind of, he said this farm guy, I see a Bigfoot up here and he had tours where you could go out with him and everything. But I don't, I didn't know how legit it was. And I, you know, just going out with one guy and trusting that he wasn't going to murder me in a field kind of was a little unsettling. So (laughs) I'd love to go on a legit, uh, the only thing that we charge, the only thing that me and my crew charge for is speaking engagements. And if, if they're like really local, we will do them for free. We don't ask, uh, when we go and do investigations, we don't have our hands out asking for money we, you know, we accept donations because this, uh, the travel, it does get costly gear gets costly. Oh. You know, if they want to help contribute to the cause, any little bit helps. I don't care if it's a, a dollar, you know, I would greatly take it because like I said, in my bio, I'm a minister as well. And some of that money actually goes into helping with my ministry because I do alcohol and addict outreach and recovery. Um, you know, that it goes and it, it always goes to a good cause. And if not, I go and I give it to charity what's left over that we don't need. Well, and you're really, you're, you're, you're not doing it for, uh, to make money. You're doing it for the love of, I guess for, you could say the love of the hunt. I mean, obviously someday you would love to come face to face with a, with a Bigfoot Sasquatch and shake its hand, so to speak. Right. Well, well, what we do, we go and we go to educate the people of our local folklore and history. And not only that, we, the guys on my crew, we, some of them are skeptics. Some of us are believers. We've actually seen these things. We're trying to help people that are trying to understand what they're happening, uh, what's happening and what they're seeing, because at one point we were in their shoes. We didn't know what to make of this. And we're just trying to be a consultation and counsel to help them understand what they're doing, what they're seeing. Okay, so let's sidetrack just a minute here, because recently in the last two to three weeks in the news, I don't know if you saw this footage. Some people were on a train and they saw a Bigfoot I they, saw it. and they took a video. What are your thoughts on that? All you got to do is look at the legs of that thing and tell it's a costume. Look how baggy the legs are. Okay. You can see the cuffs in the, in the legs. I thought it looked like uh, one of those suits that hunters wear when they're out. You know what I mean? Uh, no, but- you, you go and you just look. Uh, whenever it comes to looking at photos and videos, always look at the legs. So you can always tell if it's a suit just by looking at the legs. Really? Okay. So what about the, the most famous footage ever put out there? Um, what do you think of that one? I, it's from the sixties. The name I wrote the one the, that had, it just celebrated 56 years ago, um, October 20th of 1967. Yes. Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin. I believe that's, I believe it's a hundred percent real, but that's just my opinion. But there's three ways that you've got to look at this, uh, that photo, that photograph, that is so famous and the film itself. You've got three ways to look at it. One, it was a hundred percent real. And that actually was a big foot on camera Two, You've heard of Bob Hieronymus, haven't you? Tell me, I think so. Is he, I think he's I, the one that came out and said that he was the one trying to discredit Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson okay. saying that he was the dude in the suit. I'm thinking of a different guy then, but, uh, and, and, that footage too, 50 some years ago, you didn't have the technology like you have today. You know what I mean? So, no. so, so you believe that one's legitimate. 
I do. Yeah. I, I that one I do. The one that was just a couple of weeks ago I thought was total BS. It did not nothing looked right about it. Nothing you know what I mean? Um Right. And I've actually spoken to Bob Gimmel in the last surviving uh eyewitness to that day. Roger Patterson passed away in the seventies. Bob Gimmel and I spoke to him a couple of years ago, just off the record, uh, me and him talked and I t- asked him, I said, you know, did this really happen? He goes a hundred percent. I off the record. He did. There was no cameras, no recorders going. It was just me and him in a phone conversation. I'm like, Bob, I need to know, was this real or fake? And he goes, it was a hundred percent real. Really? That see, and that's so interesting to me. And he, uh, just, uh, know that you talked to the guy. How, how did that, how did that come about? I know. Let's just say, I know some folks. Bob Gimlin's man, road manager owed this, uh, owed my buddy a favor. Oh, so you got to talk to him. Yes. And it was, uh, I literally, I talked to the guy for two hours and we didn't, re- and we only talked Bigfoot, like maybe 15 minutes. The rest of the time we talked about farming. Really? Well, he's a horse Bob, Bob Gimlin's a horse rancher too. And he works at a college up in Yakima, Washington doing ag shows. Okay. So I got a list. There's another guy that has, uh, pieces of Bigfoot that his dad had that he keeps pulling out of a freezer. Do you know about this guy? You can look at it and tell it's a rubber mask. Okay. So you know about this guy too. He, I've seen all these suits, every kind of suit that they've ever made. I've seen at film, at film festivals, uh, conferences at, um, Bigfoot festivals, comic cons I've been to, I've seen all of them. And that one, it hundred percent looks like a uh, rubber mask with probably rocks in the head or something. Yeah. But, and he also had like just the hands and the feet, like his dad su- supposedly caught, uh, killed the Bigfoot and then put it, cut it into pieces and put it in a freezer. And this guy every once in a while brings the pieces out, like look at his hands. And I don't know. I, I don't buy it. I think if he had something like that, the federal government would have confiscated it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, I believe they would. Yeah. They wouldn't just let him hang around with it. So, so let, let's, you know, we got, we, we got about, Oh, I've had, we got about 15 minutes left. I, and I got a million more questions about Bigfoot that I want your opinion on, because honestly, I've never had the pleasure of talking to someone that actually was knowledgeable about it. You know, I might talk about it with someone I know, you know, but no one that's experienced. Tell me even through the, the documentary film at the end, what you guys felt you encountered and tell me what other than the first story you told me, have you, have you have ever had other encounters that you feel were legitimate with Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever? As as you said, you've seen the documentary. You saw the tracks that we found. Oh yeah. You found, you saw the teepee structures and the X's that we found. That was less than a mile from our camp. Um, whenever you see me in the documentary and I've got my parabolic dish out, I was hearing rock clacks coming from behind our camp. Um, whenever, uh, Daniel Benoit and Stacy Coughlin were right there and they were looking off down into the Valley on the other side of the road from our camp, we were standing there. They called me down there while they were actually filming Stacy's interview. And I actually ran down to where they were filming that part of the interview. And, I said, what are we looking at? And, and Stacy says, I've got eyes on two of them. And I took my spotting scope out and I started looking down there and I started glassing and actually seen uh, two. One that was, was crouched down behind a rock looking up at us from down in the valley. And then one that was between a forked tree that was uh, looking right at us. And it was a gray one and a black one. So you feel like they were aware you guys were there looking for them kind of thing? Yes. Okay. And then at the end of the documentary, whenever that FLIR uh, footage comes across at the end of the documentary, Daniel Benoit actually filmed that. And we didn't know he had it until two weeks after we had wrapped uh, filming and we'd all gone home. And he messaged me on Facebook and sent me that footage. And he's like, dude, what do you think that is? I watched that thing maybe 20 times. I zoomed in on it, cleared it up. And I said, dude, we've got a Bigfoot on a thermal. 
and I will stake my reputation on it that that's a Bigfoot on that thermal. You can see it move um, opposite direction of where the flare is actually moving. You can see head, shoulders. You can see an arm. This thing was crouched down on its haunches looking right at us 20 yards away from camp. So they were watching you. You truly think they, they knew you were there. They were watching you. Yes. See, and okay, so this is the one story about Bigfoot, and I touched on it a little bit before, but do you think that these Bigfoots have telekinetic powers? And the reason I ask that is uh, you do not. Okay, because I was listening to one story. The guy said he was driving, and as he was coming, he saw the red eyes in the bush, and, and all of a sudden he felt like something was in his head. And, it, and he said there was a smell. It's a famous story. And then once he got further away from it, he kind of came out of it. That seems a little extreme I believe, to me. I be, well, the thing, I don't think they, I don't, I don't believe they cloak. I don't believe they mind speak. And I, I definitely believe they don't cloak. Like I say, we're not dealing with the predator here. Uh, what we're dealing with is a flesh and blood creature. Now, do I discredit what people are seeing whenever it comes to that and experiencing? No, I do not. I can't pass judgment because I was not there, but I do believe that what they are seeing is some kind of entity or extraterrestrial that is using the guise of Bigfoot to hide its true form. So you bring me to, Bigfoot, to my next question. There, there's Bigfoot's a, a cultural icon. Everybody's got an idea of what Bigfoot looks like. Yep. But there's another theory that the reason, you know, there's this theory, okay, well, if the Bigfoot was out there, why don't we ever find a carcass or the remains or this? And some people have the theory that it's interdimensional, like he comes into our dimension and then goes out. What do you think about that? Well, I'll ask you this. You guys have bears in northern Illinois, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, we see them kind of close to us all the time. I'd rather not see one, but yes. You guys have mountain lions and wolves in northern Illinois, I believe. Yep, we sure do. Have you ever seen one that's died of natural causes out in the woods on a hike? Well, I have not, but I also, full disclosure, you'd never find me in the woods on a hike. I'm not an outdoors guy, but I know plenty of hunters and everything, and you make a good point. I can't think of anyone that's come up, oh, look, a dead bear. That's a good point. I've never heard a story of someone just coming across honey. I know a lot of hunters. I've never heard someone say, Oh, I was out hunting and I found a dead bear. Cause you got to understand this there. And they did this on monster quest with a decomposition of a, of a deer that was struck by a car. They actually staked and wired this thing down and they put a time-lapse camera on this thing. And the person that was doing the experiment said, I give it a month. This thing was decomposed and all the bones were scattered in four days. Really? See, and I, I had never and seen that episode. No sign. There was no sign of the deer anywhere. The rodents had come in, the flies had come in, all the scavengers had come in, and they picked this thing clean. And then the scavengers took it off and, with the bones and scattered them. I believe that these things, um, there's one of three things. Either they, uh, this kind of thing, the decomposition happens or whenever, because they like it, like any kind of animal, they can sense when they're sick and they'll go off someplace secluded and they'll die. And I agree with that. My, um, my stepdad years ago, Bonnie is dog, old dog, you know, I'm 14 years old. And one day she was just gone. And the theory was she just went off onto his farm to be done. Do you know what I mean? So I agree. I I've heard that theory. I agree with that theory. I believe, um, also that and it's these other two that they bury their dead and you know, you, they'll bury them in rock crevices that I've heard reports, um, from a documentary of these two friends of mine who are actually the grandsons of a Bigfoot research pioneer, Ivan Marks. I am actually good friends with his grandsons, um, that, Ivan believed that they would go and take their dead, uh, like in Alaska, and they would take their dead and drop them in the crevices of the glacier to bury them. Um, or, number three, that they turn cannibal and they eat their dead. Ooh, I've never heard that one. But but if you, there's a lot of animals that do that. I mean, there was yes. a, there's a video I watched. It was a, a mother bear eating her cub after it was killed by an animal. 
and I've seen ants do it. Yeah. So, so that the, these are all good theories, and the and the, the reason I ask about these theories is because everyone wants to discredit a Bigfoot sighting, what Bigfoot is, and and you you a lot of times you don't hear these counter arguments, and that's what's interesting to me is the counter argument of why you don't see this, why you don't see that, which you just made many many good counter arguments. Um, as we we're, we're going to be wrapping it up here pretty quick, but uh. It, it, in, in your bio, you you talked about so many other things. Let's just this. I'm going to take it away from Bigfoot for a second because I saw something that you talked about, and that's the Skinwalkers. That would take me a while. <laughs> yeah, but so so we'll we'll hold that conversation for another day. But but you you must throw yourself into this to to research all these different paranormal activities then. I do. It's like I tell whenever I give a lecture and we're looking for reports for new cases, we don't discriminate. We're not BFRO where if it has any kind of hint of, of a uh, paranormal to it, we throw it away. We don't do that where you do not discriminate. We do not discriminate the report. We take it with open minds. We take you at your word and then we take it from there and we, uh, talk amongst ourselves and we devote, we dissect it to see whether or not if it could be a possible hoax or if it's something worth our time investigating it. Would you ever say that there's people that called you out that were on purpose trying to hoax you, like trick you? Oh, I've been hoaxed before. Uh, so someone called you out just to try to trick you? No, they didn't call me out to try and trick me. I found it per, uh, per uh, chance. And uh, it was on my farm in Saline County, Illinois. And I found this uh, teepee structure at a private campground that I got. And I thought new, but nobody knew where this campground was at. It was back in the woods across the field. And the way to get in is very, very uh, overgrown. Uh, but if you know where to drive your truck through or your vehicle, you can find the campground someone actually found where the campground was and they actually built a teepee structure that I believe Bigfoot used as territory markers there in my campsite. And I freaked out about it because I thought it was something else. And then about two or three weeks later, I found out that someone actually found out where my campsite was and they'd built it. So they were just messing with you. Yes. So people can be jerks sometimes is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, what's the point? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What's the point of that? Like if you want to believe in something and you, and you're researching it, why does someone need to go out and did you ever find out who did it? Yeah. I found out who did it and it was a neighbor. Yeah. And you told him that they were probably a jerk. I was, I hope so. Um, no, I, I can't, I held my tongue. Yeah. Well, I, it just doesn't make sense to me why you can't to each his own. If one person thinks it's total BS, then think it. If someone wants to research it and believe it, then let them. That's my opinion. Um, again, it's the way that humans are, John, it's, you know, they would rather make fun of something they don't understand than try to understand it because they believe that they've got every little thing in this world figured out. But whenever something like Bigfoot comes in on the scene and they actually hear one or see one and have an experience with it, their world gets turned upside down. Yeah. I believe that too. I think, you know, your experience from when you were a young child hearing the, the Bigfoot screams that probably stick with you to this day. You know what I mean? That's for real to you. You know what I mean? Perfect, and perfect no one can example. Take perfect example. Here about three, four years ago, I had a heart attack. I was 23, 24 at the time. And I always thought, you know, that happens to old people, people that's in poor health. I'm healthy as a horse. I ain't got nothing to worry about. I went and I collapsed in the house and I got rushed to the hospital and I had had a heart attack. Yikes. At 23, 24 years old and I'm 28. Full recovery, I hope. Full recovery. I'm healthy as a horse, what the cardiologist says. I only got to go see him once a year now. But it opened your eyes to your heart health and, and that can happen. I mean, you hear it happening all the time. I mean, I, be, between me and you and everybody listening, I guess, when I was 38, I had a stroke. And everyone's like, 38 and you had a stroke? How's that happen? But I was stressed, uh -huh. and it was stress-induced from work and everything else. But but anyway, you know what? We'll, we'll leave it there. I, I looked at that bio. I'm going to 
I, we're going to be back in touch. We're going to come down in March or April, whenever you do that camp, and I'm going to bring my buddy Clinton, and we're going to we're going to we're going to just I wouldn't even call it a documentary. We're going to hang out. We're going to film it and and put it out there for everyone to see what you guys actually do, and you can take me through this structure and what's going on. I'll be glad to have you. Okay, well that sounds great. More, you, the invitation is there; it's on the table. Okay, well that sounds good. Um, Zills, my producers, give me the wrap up because we we keep these to an hour. It's not that I'm trying to rush, but we find that if anything goes a little more than an hour, it, you know, people lose interest. But uh, tell me before we go, I like every uh, people to tell me if they want to find out more about your documentary and and what you guys do. Tell me your socials, where, where, where they find you. I know you have a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find me on a couple of Facebook pages. You can find uh, the documentary itself on Hunt for Shawnee Sasquatch on Facebook, Southern Illinois Monster Hunters on Facebook, Duke Randall Outdoors on Facebook and YouTube. Um, you can follow my ministry at Resurrection Ministries. Um, that's all of my socials. Okay, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Stay in touch with me because we're going to come see you. I mean, truly, you're only like six hours south of me. So we're going to come hang out and 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 do that uh, camp out with you guys next spring. I, I look forward to it. And again, I'm not an outdoors guy, so I, I'll, I'll probably whine and complain a little bit if it's cold or rainy or something, but you'll just have to, <laughs> you'll deal with it, right? Uh-huh. I will leave your listeners with this. And like I said before, I'm a minister and I'll bring my Bible with me. I'm just going to leave this one passage. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's all I'm trying to tell people love each other. I don't see nothing bad coming out of loving each other, loving your neighbor. Nothing at all. That's, a that's, what, this, that's, that's what this world needs. That's a great way to end the podcast. So I appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. Thank you again for coming on. It was kind of short notice, but thank you for sending me the documentary. Everyone will be able to find it out there streaming soon. Otherwise they can go to your socials and find it and you can send them one, but uh, I'll be in touch. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. No problem, Mr. John. You have a blessing. God bless you. Hey, take care, man. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. And that does it for another episode of the Johnny O Show. Talking Bigfoot, talking it all about it. I appreciate everyone listening. Some big announcements coming up in the future. And please make sure if you listened and you like what you heard, subscribe to wherever you're listening to this ad, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, hit that subscribe button. Helps us out a lot, and it helps us continue to interview great people. Thanks again. Good night. That does it again for another episode of the Johnny O Podcast. One more shout out to our sponsor, RepCPS.com. Don't forget to use promo code Johnny O, that's J-O-H-N-N-Y-O, at the checkout for 10% off your order.